got to stay up here. You got to stay up here I for do. a minute. Yep. All right. Good morning, Freedom Center Church. And uh, I have in my hands what's a, known as a Gorkala uh, kukri knife. And what is so special about this is that the Gorkala warriors were so fierce that in 1814, during the West Indies War, the British said, these guys are nuts. The proverb is, it is better to die than to be a coward by the Gorkala. And what they said was, hey, do you guys want to come fight alongside us? And so ever since then, up through World War I, World War II, and to this day, they still employ the Gorkalas as a special fighting regiment in the British Army. And so this knife is presented upon retirement. And so that's not a prophecy or anything like saying you're yeah. retiring. But, <laughs> but I just want to say to you, Pastor Jim, thank you for saying nearly 10 years ago to me, hey, I see something in you. What are your dreams? What's your why? Come serve alongside us. So I love you. Thank you. You can play the video. Makes me want to go kill someone. All right, check out this video. I should go kill someone. It is so good to be here home with you guys. This is home for us. And even though home is in heaven, it's great to have glimpses of what that will look like one day when we get to gather together. It's so great to see new faces, young faces, old faces as in acquaintances from before. But man, it is so good to be here today. For those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Caleb Hubbard, and you can put up that picture. Um, and this, yep, there's my last name. And uh, here's my beautiful family. That's my wife, Corey, and our two kids, Roman and Armour. And nearly six years ago, we began working with the Assemblies of God World Missions, and uh, we served in Northern Asia, and then now we serve in Southern Asia. And when we landed in this new country nearly a year and a half ago now, we, it felt like we were going from the New Testament back to the Old Testament. It was as if we had landed in the Old Testament, watching people do animal sacrifices uh, there was tons of religious laws and regulations that people needed to follow. Utter darkness and feeling like, where did we just land? What is going on? And over the last year and a half, we've been to the doctors over 70 times. My wife had cholera, which is known as the Blue Death. Uh, it, normally, uh, people will die from this if they don't have adequate medical care within 24 hours. She had cholera while having COVID. We had Giardia, which is a very fun uh, episode of we play the daily game of did you poop your pants today? <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> my wife also had dengue, 
which is known as the bone crushing disease. If you have this one four times, you're most likely going to die. We've had bronchitis, uh, amoebiosis, other words that I can't pronounce, and just sickness upon sickness, pollution-induced asthma uh, that just is really enjoyable to deal with. I know you guys have kind of dealt with a little bit of that over the summer, the Canadian wildfires. But as we're dealing with this and experiencing such hardship, we began to hear the stories of the people that we were there to reach. And it seemed like everywhere we turned was hard story after hard story after hard story. You can put up the next picture. Immense poverty, corrupt government, sickness, disease, uh, body ailments, hopelessness. It seemed like everywhere we turned, every person's story we heard made me feel so inadequate for complaining when I didn't have Wi-Fi or something, you know, that people in uh, developed countries, we have the privilege of having. And it doesn't minimize the hard things that we go through, but it really began to get our wheels turning. What is it that these people need? People that are going through unimaginable hard times in life and there is no sign of it changing, no sign of it letting up. Tomorrow is going to be the same as today. You have such a fatalistic view on life because you're not even living for tomorrow. You're living for your next meal. You're living for the next minute and you're kind of just like, death would almost be better than what's happening to me right now. We began asking the question, what is it that these people need? What is it throughout history that has given people that have faced such immense challenges faith? How can you have faith in times of challenges? We began to hear stories and think about stories from the past. What is it that gave the Moravians such great faith? And you can put up the next picture. The Moravians had such great faith that in 1732, two of their members wanting to be missionaries and go to the West Indies, they found out that the only way to go there was to sell themselves as slaves. What gave them such great faith that they said, we'll do it, we'll go. And as they were boarding the boat, they said, may the lamb receive the suffering, the reward for his suffering. I'm like pooping my pants and my kids are on the nebulizer and Corey's in the hospital and I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't know if I want you to receive the reward for your suffering. I don't know if I want to do that. That sounds super hard. What is it that gave them such great faith? Or consider John Patton. John Patton decided that he was going to go to an island of cannibals to share the gospel. I don't know about you guys, but I'm not signing up to go get eaten by people. Does that sound good? Like, hey, today after church, second service, you guys want to go on down to like Cannibals R Us? I don't know what you would even like. What would that restaurant be called? Fresh meat? I don't know. Like, like. And while John Patton was at his church in London, somebody said to him, cannibals, they're going to eat you. They're cannibals. And he says to this guy, he says, Mr. Dixon, you are advanced in years now and your own prospect is soon to be laid in the grave, there to be eaten by worms. I confess to you that if I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus, it will make no difference to me whether I'm eaten by cannibals or by worms. And in the great day, my resurrection body will rise as fair as yours in the likeness of our risen Redeemer. 
What is it that gives these people such great faith to face challenges and say, we're gonna do it? Consider Polycarp. You can go to the next picture. Polycarp was told by the Roman government, deny Christ or we're gonna burn you alive. And so this is what Polycarp's response was. 86 years I have served him and he has done me no wrong. How then can I blaspheme my king and savior? And as he was being burned at the stake, he says, I bless you, Father, for judging me worthy of this hour so that in the company of the martyrs, I may share the cup of Christ. And lastly, I think many of you have heard this quote before. You can go to the next picture. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jim Elliott. Him and four other friends went to the Amazon jungle to share the gospel and they were killed, all five of them. What is it that gives people faith so strong? And now I'm not suggesting today that we sell ourselves as slaves, that we try to go eat, get eaten by cannibals, that we desire to be burned at the stake or killed at the end of a spear. But what I present to you today is what the people in Nepal, when we hear their stories and they're so hard, what I present to you today is what my desire is, is that we would wrestle with this inwardly and outwardly is hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, meaning this, okay, because of my great hope in Jesus, this is how I'm going to live out my faith. Hope is what drove those people to do those things. Hope is what we need. Because here's the thing, hope is not optimism, optimism based on circumstances. Does that make sense? Kind of like, hey, okay, I hope that Michigan State doesn't suck. Sorry. There's my joke for the day. I'm a Michigan State football fan. Sorry. But anyway, yeah, I hear the, oh, bichada. That means like pity in Nepali, but bichada. Oh, but we need hope. It's not this optimistic oh, today I hope that this is gonna happen or that is gonna happen, but no matter what circumstances we face in life, we have a great expectation that something good is going to happen. It's not optimism, it is a God-given expectation. So you might be thinking, what does this mean for Kingdom Builders Sunday? And when we think about hope and, you know, in the inward when I'm saying inward, the question I want to pose to you today is what is your hope in? What is your hope in? Now, obviously, we can give hope to people in certain circumstances, yes? That is what the Thanksgiving outreach does. That is what the Christmas outreach does is we say, hey, we see your circumstances and we wanna come alongside you and walk with you. But what is in eternal hope is Jesus, the person of Jesus. Our hope is not in a thing. It's not in a job. It's not in money. It's not in a hobby. It's not in our status because one day all of that will leave. In the video, you heard Psalm 139. Lord, remind me how short my life is. It's no longer than the width of my hand. And some of you in here have faced unimaginable pains, losing a spouse, a child, a parent, losing a job, losing a home, facing disaster. All of us have had those moments. And if you haven't yet, they will come. Can I get an amen? That is life. But hope is trust, reliance, and desire accompanied by expectation of 
or belief in fulfillment. One who hopes cherishes a desire with expectation of fulfillment. So where do you place your hope today? That's the inward question for us to to answer. And I want you to wrestle with this. As you leave here today, begin asking yourself, is my hope really in Jesus? Because this leads to the second part. When Paul writes to the Thessalonians, when he writes to the church in Colossae, what he says is, I see your faith and your love for all of God's people because of the hope that you have in Jesus. Did you catch that? He links faith and love and hope all together. It's your faith working itself out in love because of the hope that you have. Hope is a motivator. Hope is something that causes us to act a certain way. What do you think something different from hope would be? Anybody? What do you think like another motivator in life is? Opposite of of hope. Fear. Fear says protect myself. Fear says promote myself. Fear says preserve myself. Fear would have told the Moravians, don't do that. Why would you sell yourselves as slaves? Crazy. Fear would say to uh, John Patton, nah, the cannibals are gonna eat you. Don't do it. Fear would have told Jim Elliot and his friends, hey, these guys are dangerous. Stay away from them. Fear would have told Polycarp, deny Jesus. You don't wanna be burned alive. Fear is a tactic of Satan while hope is from a person, Jesus. We put our hope in the resurrected Savior, Jesus, instead of listening to the voice of the enemy, Satan, when he says, hey, whenever, you know, Jim Elliot, he says, hey, give up what you can't keep to gain what you can't lose. Satan's saying, no, 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 you, you, you don't wanna do that. Hang on to that close. Hang on to that. You, you, you know, that's really important to you. Fear is the voice of the enemy telling us, your hope can't be in that. Fear causes us to say, if not, but hope causes us to say, but if not. And you can go to the next slide here. There's a story from the Old Testament that a lot of us know. It's like children's church type stuff, right? You got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I think it was like a snack to go or something in the past, right? Um, (laughs) But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were told, hey, if you don't bow down to uh, Nebuchadnezzar's idols whenever you hear the music being played, then uh, you're gonna get killed. So some Jews found out about this or uh, some of Nebuchadnezzar's guys and they went and they said, hey, there's some Jews who uh, they're not bowing down to your idols whenever they hear the the music being played. And Nebuchadnezzar called in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is this true? And they're like, yeah. He's like, wait, no, when you hear the music, you need to bow down to my idols. And they're like, no, not gonna happen. He's like, if you don't, I'm throwing you in the furnace. There's that fear, right? Hey, if you don't do this, then guess what? I'm taking your life. Nebuchadnezzar thinks he's got the power, right? And what happens? We know that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're like, no, not happening. So Nebuchadnezzar, furious, he turns up the furnace so hot, right? And they, they, they grab Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they throw them in the fire. And the people who are doing that, they die because it's so hot. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, before this happens, they say, Nebuchadnezzar, like, listen, you can throw us in the fire, that's cool. But we know that our God is going to deliver us from this. But if not, we still won't bow down to you. That's what you tell Satan, because listen, in those hard moments in life, in the challenges that you are facing, 
sometimes it's not the, the outcome that we desire, and that's that optimism for circumstances. It's not the circumstance we desire. One of the things I love that Pastor Jim has always said through the years is when he, he called his mom, and he's like, Mom, I'm going through a hard time. And she says, hey, this isn't heaven, and it's not hell. It's a place in between where this, this stuff happens. And that's what it is. But we know that our hope is in the resurrection King Jesus so that whenever we face these circumstances, we can say, but if not, we're still not bowing down. I'm still not bowing down to your idols, Nebuchadnezzar. So whatever, right? We need to have a but if not attitude. We place our hope in the promises of God. So how can we do that? What is something we can do to see this happen? When we read Romans 8, verses 34 through 39, we get a good glimpse of how Paul is thinking about this. He says this, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us, who shall, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor, things, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, inward. We know that no matter what we face, as hard as it may be, and as much as we want to quit, because I can tell you this, me and my wife have wanted to quit over the last year and a half, and it's been hard. And it's been like, man, it's, it almost feels like it's not worth it. And there's times in life where you're gonna wanna quit and you, you're gonna wanna say, if not, but you need to say, but if not, because you know that nothing you face is gonna separate you from the love of Christ. This is the hope. This is where, where also in Hebrews, the writer says, hey, hope is the anchor of our soul. It's the thing that can anchor us down whenever the storms come and it's not gonna move us. This is the solid foundation of Jesus and his promises that we can stand on and say, my hope is in Jesus. Therefore, my faith is going to act itself out in love in my life. There's the inward and outward that we want to show. So the two questions I have for you, and you can put up the last slide there, is where is your hope today? Really answer that because like, we're, we're really good at tricking ourselves, aren't we? I am so like guilty of this. Even in, while we serve in Nepal, I'm like, man, if only the air quality was better. If only there wasn't trash on the side of the roads. If only there was less Hindus. If only there was less, <laughs> like, no. But it's hard, but I know that God is with me. Where do I need to place my hope? It needs to be in him. If it's in something else, if I'm afraid, now fear of the Lord, that's different. But if I'm afraid of what Satan's gonna do, of what the sickness might do, if I'm afraid, then my faith is faulty. How, the second question is how can we show people the light and hope of the world, Jesus? You can put up the last picture there. So a few years ago, uh, my dad would actually be the Santa, Mark Hubbard, and he was one of the best Santas uh, and for the Christmas outreach, he would be one of the Santas. And I feel like a lot of you in here have gotten your picture sitting on his lap. And it's okay, he's, he's awesome. And um, almost a, a year and a half ago, my dad uh, passed away from COVID at the age of 57. 
And while he was in the hospital, he sent my family a, a text message, a video, it was to my mom. And it said that, uh, if something happens to me, I'll be waiting for you. I love you guys. This is just temporary. Go and change the world. When you face hard, hard circumstances, I mean, I know like a lot of you in here have lost family members, lost jobs again. But when you face these things and you gotta say with confidence, this is just temporary. We need to go and change the world and show the hope of Jesus to people. How do you say that? It's because you have a confident expectation that something good is going to happen. This is not my forever home. And while these situations and circumstances, they may hurt and be painful, we have the hope of Jesus living inside of us. You have the hope of Jesus living inside of you. And I'm telling you, God is putting people in your life that you can touch. And one simple act of way that we can do that. So you guys, today's offering goes to missionaries. That goes to us, to me and my wife. Not just to us, but those cards you have on your table. And man, we get to be front lines. You guys don't get to hear all the stories. You know, a lot of those stories are personal stories to the people that we're working amongst. But like when our close friend says to us, she's weeping in our living room and saying, God has been so good to me. Man, thank you. Thank you for investing in missionaries. When you guys get to be a part of the Thanksgiving outreach, the Christmas outreach, that's your chance. It's a chance to come alongside people and just say, hey, there's hope. We see your circumstances. We, let's, let's, let's do this, but we wanna point you to a hope that is beyond just the next meal and the next day. You guys get to be light in a dark place. For some people, that life is hopeless. Proverbs says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Anybody ever have a hope crushed? Like even just the, you know, last night, Michigan State losing to Iowa and with two minutes to go, I stayed up for that like an idiot. <laughs> I still lack good judgment, I guess, but. But so today, I challenge you with two things to wrestle with as you walk away. Where is your hope? And how can you show the hope of Jesus to a world that there's nothing else that you can put your hope in that's gonna last? or worth it. Thank you. Love you, man. Uh, so I, I was told, I think yesterday, I'm gonna be doing this part of the service. I, I like to have months to prepare, uh, but minutes work for me too, because you're, you're kind of conscious of that. And this morning, as I'm standing in the four-way, I saw Mark, uh, no, I'm sorry, Austin, Austin Davidson, and he's, he's got his little buddy, Micah. How old is Micah, babe? Probably three. And Brianna and, and Austin serve as our, our elementary uh, leaders down there. And it's a 20-foot uh, ladder. And, and Austin's bearing the weight of this thing. You can tell it's kind of, he's walking funny because it's really heavy. But on the back side of that, Micah's got his hand on it. He's this big. He's got his hand on it. And he's helping his dad carry the ladder. Now, how many guys know... He's not helping his dad carry the ladder. His dad's bearing all the weight. But he doesn't know that because from his perspective, he's, he's doing the work. He's in there. 
it's, it's interesting when it comes to times like this because you say, well, you know, what should I do or how should I do it? You know, money and giving and time and hope and faith. And what's, what's the right application of something like this? I would, I would just say this. Aren't you glad you serve a God who carries the weight of the ladder? But he also lets us put our hands on what he's doing. I, I really, uh, it, it's an odd moment for me because we we're about to receive an offering. And if you know me at all, I'm not really much of a fundraiser. I'm like, just find somebody and give it to them and love Jesus. And, you know, and it, I'm really shocked that I have the honor of doing this because I'm, I'm probably the least qualified person on the staff, would you say, to do this? So my wife has hope. And the staff has hope that I won't screw this up. But I just want to say this to you. I, I would ask you, every person in this room, regardless of the strength of what you have to bring, a million dollars or, or a dollar, let's all put our hand on the ladder today and help Dad carry it from one place to the other. Does that make sense? Let's, let's take, let's take a, an active role, a partnership in this. And so on your seats today, we've got a couple of things uh, in the backs of the seats. This is your reach the loss at any cost. It doesn't cost us our beliefs. Inside of there, it talks about a commitment to kingdom builders. Um, and maybe we call it helping dad carry the ladder fund just for today, you know, the way you want to do it, uh, whether it's a one-time gift or weekly and so forth. Would you please grab those out right now wherever you are? Just, just put your hand on the ladder. Don't lift anything yet. Just put your hand on it because I think it's important. If you're sitting in the front row, just turn around to the people behind you and say, you don't want to give anyway. Just give me your stuff. It's okay. You know, we'll do that way. Um, but get that in your hands. So what it's going towards is missions. How many guys agree that, that missionaries are are to be honored above those who stay. Those who go should be honored above those who stay. So we, we want to help. We want to be a part of that. We want to put our hand on the ladder that they have their hand on. Um, it's for uh, youth outreach. October chaos is what it's known as. You say, well, you know, do, do kids really get saved in October chaos? Listen, I got saved at a youth outreach in 1981. And because of that one invitation to come and be a part of, of a concert I gave my life to Jesus. Remember who I was, guys. Remember, remember where my life was at at that moment. And feeling all alone, somebody said, do you want to go with me? And I said, I'd, I'd go with anybody just about anywhere. I went to that concert. I walk in not knowing God. I walk out having met my Redeemer. It was this amazing, life-changing experience. The very next uh, Monday, that was like Friday night, Monday, I'm telling people about Jesus. They said, well, tell me about this. I went, I don't know. All I know is raise your hand and say this prayer, <laughs> you know. Well, what about this question, this theological question? I have no idea, but I know that I met someone. I didn't adopt something. I, I didn't believe some doctrine. I met someone, and that someone is right here, right now, and I'm never letting go. And for some reason, I believe he's never letting go of me. Well, that's what we're about to put our hands to. This thought of a meal, a community meal. How many people last year at Thanksgiving? What was it? 400 people in this room eating turkey. It was the longest nap in human history afterwards, right? But not just the people that were here, the people that couldn't make it here. We're going to make sure we send baskets and people. How do you guys know the holidays make you take stock? Like, like if you have something to celebrate with people, you really appreciate the people Christmas morning when they're there. But if they're not, or they're not anymore, you feel that sense of loneliness. It's important that this church, as, a, as a, an embassy from heaven filled with ambassadors, is in the position that the lonely can find family among us. So we're going to cook a huge meal. We're going to all talk to each other and hang out. And there's going to be games. It's going to be fun. And hopefully all of you will be there, right? Well, that, that's going to be funded 
by this, that moment, and those who can't make it. We're going to make sure that they have a meal and they have time. Christmas coming up. If you're a kid, let me, you don't even know you're poor, do you? Until Christmas morning when you go back to school. And everybody talks about the gifts they got, and you're talking about the underwear and pajamas you got. We need to make sure every kid wakes up celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ and the generosity of his people. That's on us. Well, the government does too much. Listen, let's put the government out of business then. Because I, I think God's people can do a better job than any government institution ever could. But until we take our place in this world, somebody's got to do something. And so mismanagement, based on things that aren't true, indoctrinating kids in the wrong direction. How about the church just step up and nobody needs to stand in line and be a number because they're a face and a name and a family member and a story among us. So this is what the church is. This is what the church does. God's carrying this unimaginable weight of the sins of the world, but he's allowing us to put our hand on the ladder from time to time. And in doing so, we get to say, yeah, me and, me and God move the ladder. So would you just do this right now? Take that missionary card, take the, the envelope, and we're going to pray, and then I'm going to ask you, if you would, please, to, uh, to do something. Put your hand on it. Put your hand on it for a dollar. Put your hand on it for $1,000. Put your hand on it for $100,000. It's up to you. The goal is $40,000, right? So that is going to fund this portion of our missions. We have over 50 missionaries. That's going to fund the Thanksgiving meal we talked about. That's going to fund the Christmas morning we talked about. That's going to fund the outreach in October we talked about. That's, that's the gift that's going to keep on giving. How many of you guys are ready to put your hand on Dad's ladder? So, that, you know, we, we carried it together. You know, father-son project. We did it together. Daughter-daddy daughter, dance. Jesus, we thank you that you're, you're the one that made the co-mission great. The great commission. Go all the world, make disciples of all nations. It's, it's great because we get to put our hand on something that you've already promised to bear the weight of. Now, there's a lot of weighty things in this world, but the weight of redeeming mankind is not ours to carry, but it's ours to partner with. The weight of feeding the poor, of clothing the naked, of caring for the widow and the orphan, that, that, that's weighty beyond anything any human being or group of human beings can, can manage. But you've given us a chance to put our hand on the ladder. You've done it today. So God, I pray, move our hearts. I hope with a great sense of expectation that this need will be met and even more. But beyond that, I hope that your people will know the joy of putting their hand on the ladder and doing something with their Heavenly Father that really matters. I hope that our lives will be different because of the commitments we make, the actions we take. The dollars we're going to spend today on food and coffee and cable and internet, they'll all come and go. These dollars live under a very different paradigm. Give, and it shall be given to you. Make an investment, and God will make you his investment. So we don't give to get, but we give knowing that there's a promise on these seeds. And we pray, God, that you would bless them all as we sow them now. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Go ahead. Take that envelope if you would. You know where the buckets are. As you're doing that, I want to do two last things. One is this. Let's talk a little bit about Christmas. Some of you guys are ready to talk about Christmas. All right, it's going to be 80 degrees today, but let's talk about Christmas. Christmas Eve is a Sunday this year. So we really wrestle. What should we do with Christmas Eve and Christmas this year? We're not going to have church on Christmas Day because that's a Monday and it'd be weird. But on Christmas Eve, that Sunday morning, we'll be having one service at 10 o'clock. And we're going to be having two Christmas Eve 
Eve services. That's kind of our tradition. It's Christmas Eve Eve. So on the 23rd at 5 o'clock and 7 o'clock, it's going to be suits and ties and dresses and little velvet outfits for the little girls and bow ties for the boys and family pictures and candlelight and communion and, you know, joy to the world. The Lord has come and hymn number 47. And it's going to be awesome. And then on Sunday morning, they're like, that seems kind of formal for me. You're going to love Sunday morning. That's our traditional is, is that, that evening service. But on Christmas Eve morning, I don't know where this started, but somewhere a dozen or more years ago, we started the tradition of on, on Christmas Day, we would get together and have Chinese food in our pajamas at a public restaurant. How many of you guys have ever been a part of one of the Chinese food Christmas Day events? Yeah. It's weird because sometimes Christmas Day is on a Sunday and people are in suits and ties and I got Scooby-Doo all over me and it's just, it's fun. So on Christmas Eve morning, that one is going to be an all-family service. The, the, the kids, the youth, everybody will be here with us. The little littles, the three, fours, and fives, nursery, they'll be in their rooms. But, but the elementary up, we're going to tell the Christmas story. I'm going to preach a sermon in pajamas. And when it's all over with, we're going to go have Chinese food all over this building. There's going to be Chinese food, the fried rice and the lo mein and the deep fried dog and the, all the stuff, right? I'm just saying, it's going to be awesome. All I, it's, it's going to be real food. Listen, when somebody says, I'm here to walk your dog, it means something different in different parts of the world. So as long as the health department's not here, we're going to do great. So that's coming up. It's exciting. And, and I also had the, uh, oh, the date, didn't I, on the uh, thing. The date for the Thanksgiving feast is November. <laughs> okay, good. Um, <laughs> I said 11 dash. Never mind. But the last thing is this. Hey, we've given the offering. We've heard a message. What if we respond to this today? Where's your hope? If it's in money, then maybe that last thing we did was hard. If, if it's in family, then maybe that comes and goes. If it's in your education, maybe what you knew is not necessarily, unless you're educated in Latin, Greek, and Hebrew, you know, a lot of things are changing today. There's a lot of uncertainty in the strike, in the economy. Where are you putting your hope? I know this, and there's an old statement, maybe you've heard this, but my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. If, if you trust that there's someone who has the whole world in his hands, then you don't have to worry about as many things that are in yours. If your soul is not right with God, if there's distance between you and him, it isn't because he put it there. It's because we did. God has provided means for us to be close to him. I don't care if you were raised Catholic or Lutheran or, in my case, atheist. I don't care if you were raised in the Baptist church ah, or in the, you know, the screaming Pentecostal with signs and fire and rattlesnakes. Ah. What matters today is that your heart's right with God. And the only way to get your heart right with God is not to try harder next time, is to accept what Jesus did for you on that cross. Sinless life, substitutionary death, and glorious resurrection. And now your elder brother, Jesus, has said, follow me. Come on, I'll show you the way. How many guys are already there? Say amen. So either this is mass lunacy or what I'm saying is true. There's a way out of, there's a way into, and his name is Jesus. So Father, I pray as we bow our heads and close our eyes in the closing moments, there are people here today that have not yet made that commitment. If their hope is not in the one that's worth hoping in, then their hopes will always be dashed. But if their hope is in the eternal one, the Savior, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, that if their hope is in the, the way and the truth and the life, Jesus Christ, if their hope is there, then because he is never shaken, we will never be shaken as well. Even in the storms, we can run and scream at him and say, don't you care, we're drowning. But he's never shaken because he knows how it all ends. 
like watching a game you already know the score of. He doesn't freak out when Ohio State, you know, scores or Michigan State doesn't. It's, it's I know how this ends. He walks with the confidence. When we walk with him, we walk confidently. So I, I pray right now, God, remove everything that's between our hearts and yours. Come on, right now in your own way, just tell him, Jesus, forgive me. Wash me clean. Give me a clean slate. Fresh start. New beginning. I'm done with the old, man. Enough with the history. Come on. Leave it behind. Now we're talking about destiny. Who did God create you to be? It's time to start asking those questions. Not what's mandatory, but what, what am I invited to be a part of? So Jesus, wash us. Fill us with the Spirit. Lead us. Give our lives such depth of purpose that it isn't scary to be eaten by a cannibal because you love them more than your own flesh. Give us a purpose so deep that you could never ask too much of us to be who you created us to be. Let us win for the Lamb the reward for his sufferings. May it, may it be that he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. We're not ambitious. We're created for a reason. Help us to know what that reason is and live it strong. And we'll present it to you on the last day. Just say, here it is. Any crown somebody puts on our head, we'll lay at your feet because all the glory belongs to you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Do this. There's only a couple doors. It's going to take a while to get out of here, right? If there's a fire, just go through any wall. They're, they're cheap, right? But take your time and maybe meet somebody that they like, hey, I haven't met you yet. You look strange and wonderful. Do you walk dogs? Stuff like that. Let's just hang out with people. No hurry. Is there many square feet outside those doors as there are inside the doors for a reason? Let's, let's gather out on the patio and grab a cup of coffee, make some new friends. And if you're single, you know, ask her out if she's cute. What the heck, right? Change the world. Stand to your feet. You're dismissed. Hug each other. Greet each other on the way out. Can we say one more time thank you to Caleb and Corey for coming from the other side of the world? Bless you guys. You're dismissed. <laughs>